Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. It is such a pleasure to welcome Rachel Geller back to the show. She's a dear friend to me and to the Cat Film Festival. She was so involved in promoting it in the Boston area, but she's created her own nonprofit called All Cats All the Time, of which she's the founder and president. And it has Rachel's unique stamp on it. But before we start to talk about it, I just want to thank her for the many, many years and hundreds of hours she's spent giving people advice and counseling on cat problems, whether they were financial or behavioral or medical, and appearing in, in many online places to give support and advice to those caring for cats and those who are having trouble caring for cats. So, Rachel, welcome back to the show. It's great to reconnect. Thank you, um, Tracy, and thank you for that lovely introduction. I appreciate that. So one of the unique things, I think, about your new organization is that you recognize that some of the advice that people might seek out is expensive, and some of the solutions to their problems are equally expensive. So you had a, a kind of unique motive or goal in creating this nonprofit. I, I did, and I do. So I am a certified cat behaviorist, and as you know, because you work in the field, um, professional you know cat behavior help can be expensive. So it became my personal mission in life, as well as my foundation's mission, that there never be a financial barrier preventing people from keeping their cats in their homes 
when the problem is behavior. So I provide all of my cat behavior counseling and services completely free of charge. But what I've been able to do with my foundation is really broaden that and helping low-income people with, as you said, the advice and the solutions that I give. So oftentimes I might say, you need more litter boxes. You need different litter boxes. Right. Your cat needs a scratching post. I might suggest synthetic pheromone sprays. These things are expensive. These Mm -hmm. things are pricey. Mm -hmm. So with my foundation, I'm able to buy these needed items that cat owners require in order to solve their cat behavior problem. And that can be the difference between a person keeping their cat and surrendering their cat. And since I started my foundation um, in the past year, I've been able to keep over 1,000 cats in their homes that were going to be surrendered. So I'm very proud of that. 1,000? You've had 1,000 people in one year be in touch with you and get solutions from you? Yes. Yes. I just want to say to you (laughs) 1,000 people, Dr. Rachel Geller did not put that money in her own pocket, but I really hope that while she didn't charge you, you certainly donated to all cats all the time so you could pay it forward to the next person who needed a fancy scratching post or a, a cat tower. I hope they well, do you that, hit the, Yes. No, you hit the nail on the head. People will say to me, I, I'm so thankful we really didn't want to surrender our cat, but we had lost hope, and, and you helped us. What can we do? Can we pay you? And when people ask me that, I say I would rather not be paid, but what I would love you to do is to donate to my foundation so that I can go ahead and keep helping other people keep their cats in their homes who may not be able to afford um, my advice or my solutions or have the financial ability to pay a cat behaviorist. So, yes, it's been just a kind of a lovely full circle and... I've just felt very richly rewarded, and, you know, I go to bed happy every night, which is nice. Wow. Isn't that great? And think of how many thousands of other people go to bed at night unhappy because they have a problem with their cat or cats, and it's breaking their heart, and it isn't even breaking their bank account yet, but they don't know what the solution is. And I will say that I'm I'm going to I'm going to impose on you because somebody, a friend of a friend in the Hamptons wrote to me and said that this woman had three cats. And gosh, Rachel, you have the patience of a saint because this woman's email that was forwarded had to be like 10 paragraphs of details. Details, the cat did this and the other cat did that. And then I gave it some bacon and then I closed the door and then the cat was crying. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even read this email. So I said at the end, this is Clearly, from what I can tell, where are the cliff notes to this book that she's written, if you will? It's clearly a behavior problem. It's the management of three cats. Something has gone wrong and could probably be put right, but it might take, I don't know, you know, doors between rooms and all the things that we know about, right? Separate resources. So I did say to her, get in touch with my co-host on Cat Chat, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, she has felineminds.com. She's a, a cat behaviorist, and that's what she does. And I had never asked Michael what she charges. I mean, Michael is my co-host on this show without any compensation. We do it in the same reason you do, because we really want to give people information and also do a lot of saluting of people like you who do great stuff. But it turned out that a first consultation by Zoom 
which I'm sure you do too, not because of the pandemic, yes. but because everybody isn't, you know, driving distance and you're not going to make house calls, is $300. Now, I assume, well, the lady lives in the Hamptons, but she's an older lady living on a fixed income. So she'd already supposedly gone to a behaviorist. So that's another problem, right? Is that people can that call them. Let's talk yes. about that for a minute because we don't want people seeking help in the wrong place because now maybe they've got twice as little hope and half the money they had before, right? Yes, that is a problem. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people do, um, you know, with all good intent, they look on the internet, they try to do searches, they're looking up behavior problems, they may get advice from well-meaning friends and relatives, and it really is sometimes difficult to find that cat behaviorist who is certified um, by a recognized organization and has had the experience. And, 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 of course, most people do need to make a living. And so I completely understand that a cat behaviorist, you know, we pay to get certified. We pay to that's take right. the courses. We pay to, to stay current in all of the, you know, new information that's coming along. So... This is where my foundation serves an important need because you're not going to solve a problem with that initial consultation. That's it's going right. to take mm-hmm. several sessions, several conversations, right. several emails. So it's it's very important to me to provide that alternative to people who do really they want to keep their cats, they do not want to surrender. They've they've lost hope, they don't know what to do and they don't know where to turn. And so, you know, this is where I come in, and I feel often at the very beginning just being very empathetic and understanding and listening can be so helpful to this person who has really um, feels, they personally feel like they are in a crisis. And that, they're, and that they've failed somehow. They've failed their cats, they've failed themselves, or maybe they've failed a spouse or a partner who blames them for whether it's an out-of-litter box issue or cats fighting, which I believe in this case it will be. It seemed like a real brain teaser, and I thought, well, this is interesting timing because Rachel and I already had made a date to talk about all cats all the time. And this email came along, and I thought, I don't know where to begin with this. Could I help her? Yes. Do I have time or the bandwidth? Absolutely not. Am I even a certified cat behaviorist? Definitely not. I'm an investigative journalist, right, who wrote the Cat Bible. And I keep, like you, very current on science. And and Michael Maria Delgado keeps me on my toes because she keeps on top of it. But it's it's definitely daunting how to help people when you say empathetic listening, but sometimes it means long listening, doesn't it? They're not short stories. You're, you are correct. Many of these stories are, are not short, and there are people who feel like they need to give you every detail, yes. starting from the birth of the cat. Yes, the birth, so, totally. You know, yes, yes. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, no matter what comes my way, though, I, it's crucial that I listen. It's important that I remain compassionate. And most importantly of all, it's it's I need to avoid making judgments. Yes. You know, none of us like to be judged, right? But um, so many people who go to surrender a cat find themselves being judged by someone who really doesn't know them all that well and someone who doesn't really know what they've been through and how they've gotten to this point. So I'm a no-judgment zone. I listen. I empathize. I understand. And then I... I want this person to, my, to be my ally. I want them to know nice. that I care. And that's really the, the first step to solving 
these cat behavior problems. I can be the, the best cat behaviorist in the world, but if I don't get this person on my side and let them see that I'm their ally, right. so what we're going to go through together is really going to work, I need them to trust me. Yes. You know, that those things are so important at the, at the beginning when that call first comes in. That You've really put that well, and I have a feeling that people listening feel the way I feel in hearing you tell it. It's like, oh, my God, such a nice person who cares and knows stuff. Gee, just being nice and kind feels like rare and and shockingly wonderful. <laughs> I don't think we feel enough of that in life. And um, I'm, I've recently joined the advisory board of, of an extraordinary organization called Not One More Vet, N-O-M-V, because of the inordinately high suicide rate in the veterinary field. And I'm honored that I've been asked to be on the advisory board because my knowledge in the area of suicide prevention is pretty much nil. However, the idea that we could all be there and be present and be listening and be conscious of other people's suffering or needs uh, or feelings, yeah. and that's what you're describing. And, and in the signature of Darlene Boss, who's the head of the organization, it says, you are not alone. And I don't know, doesn't that kind of give you a little bit of goosebumps? How often in your life would it have been so amazing for someone to say, you're not alone? And that has to do with depression and mental challenges and suicidal thoughts in the veterinary field. But in the case of cats, people can feel so alone because they're so in love with and love their cats. And when things go bad, they seem to go even worse before people ask for help. And I mean, how many yes. times on the original Cat Chat did people call in and say, this really happened more than once or an iteration of it? well, the cat's been peeing on my husband's shoes. It's really causing a problem in our marriage. I said, oh, maybe the cat has a urinary tract infection. How long has he been doing that? A year and a half. Yes. And you yes, think, oh, I my get, God, yes. these people have been suffering and their marriage suffering and their shoes suffering. And the cat is obviously in some kind of distress, right? The cat is suffering, yes. Yeah. And then people, by the time people call someone like me and they're on the verge of surrendering their cat, it's because things have really reached that boiling point yes. right there. At the end of the road, they are in crisis. And it's so important for me, and, and, and I think for anyone in, in my position, to realize how difficult a decision um, that is and to understand that chances are this has really been going on for a long time and that it's been a long road yes. before somebody picks up the phone and makes this decision to surrender their cat or or to reach out for help. And I think that often when when we get these calls and people want to surrender or they're at their wit's end and they may use language, you know, that makes us think they don't love their cat, right. but yes. they 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 often really do. And and it's important to remember that at the very least this person is calling for help wanting a safe placement for her cat. This person is not abandoning the cat. That's right. The person is not leaving the cat outside somewhere. So we know at the very least this person has feelings and concern for her cat and she does not want this cat to be harmed. So we know there's love in there. We, and this is where that empathy and that understanding and being non-judgmental. I just can't emphasize how important that is because these people really do feel, you know, 
I, I, I feel like since I've been doing this, I've never heard certain cliches so often in my life. I'm at, you know, I'm at my wit's end. I'm at the end of my rope. Really? I'm at my boiling point. You really? know, I hear these same things over and over again, and people really, they've had it, and they don't know where to turn. I think something you said, too, is, is very true and interesting, that they feel under pressure from other people in the home. Yes. You know, a spouse may say, I've had it with this cat. You yes. need to get rid of this it's cat. You or me. You know, it's the cat or me. Yeah. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. so imagine how alone and how conflicted and how in in crisis this person is who is calling you. And yet we hear two or three sentences and we're already judging this person and what we think. Right. So it's so important to get that whole story from the cat owner. So sometimes you need the long Dickensian novel starting from birth so you can hear how many years this person's been devoted to the cat, had a relationship, how strong the human animal bond is. And then you often hear, if you're sitting in our shoes, that moment in time where they, let's say, brought in the two-month-old kitten and they have a 12-year-old cat. And they didn't understand how to make an introduction or that you don't bring a kitten into an old cat's space. And all the many days, weeks, months, even years of misunderstanding between the cats who have very different goals and desires day to day. And And we hear it and we go, you want to say, oh, my God, you didn't bring a kitten into an old cat's home, <laughs> did you? Of course, that's my nature to do that. But I bite yes, my tongue yes. till it bleeds. I'm such a blunt person. Well, it, what's the point? That would be shaming. That would be judging. That would be criticizing. They didn't know any better. They thought they were bringing a pal for their old cat or saving right. a kitten or right. going to have more right. cat love, you know, right? Yes, yes. And if I say things that are, you know, condescending or... Um, you know, that's just, anything, anything like that is not going to be helpful. I, I want this person on my side. Yes. I want to make a bond with this person. So if I start, you know, tip, um, naming all the things that they did wrong as, you know, right away without having kind of that understanding conversation first, this person is not going to trust me. This person is not going to be my ally. So kind of keeping all of that stuff in the back. And I know it's hard. I mean, how many times, you know, I'm talking to a person in my mind, I'm thinking, just get rid of the boyfriend, you know? (laughs) You mean nothing to do with cat relationships, to do with real life. Or don't remodel your home, sell your home, move into an apartment. Don't remodel while you're living in the kitchen. Oh, my goodness. I mean, one time, I'm I'm not proud of this, but one time I blurted out, there was a, a couple in the, Husband wanted to get rid of the cat because the cat was older and peeing in the house. And I said to the wife, well, why don't you just tell him that when he gets older and he becomes a continent, that you won't, you know, you won't throw him out into a nursing home. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, did I just really say this out loud? So I think we all have our moments. But, we do. You know, we, we do. want to try to, we do want to try the best we can to, you know, be on their side and, and be non-judgmental. And believe me, I know it's hard. Um but, but you so make, important. you know, Rachel, you make a really good point about language and how important words are and yes. adjectives so that, or, or nouns, so that when a person is calling you and they've been through not just the frustration and the exhaustion and whatever the, the physical demands are of this problem that has not solved itself, as cat problems tend not to solve themselves unless we know what to do, they'll say, this damn brat of a cat. And you hear that. And you have to ignore adjectives and even nouns. He's just a bastard. He's just lazy. 
she's just stupid, that cat. She doesn't know where the litter box is. So that's just frustration. They, yes, they don't, we they, definitely as you don't say, want to, yes. They don't think yeah. that. They love the cat. They wouldn't be, you know, it's very hard to ask for help. We're on, the, we're on the end of where people are asking us, but it takes a lot of courage and humility to ask someone for help. You're saying, I'm failing. I'm in, I've got a problem. I can't solve it. I'm in over my head. Please help me. How, how, yes. You know, those people that do it, kudos to you. It takes guts to do that. It's very hard, and that's part of, you know, what I do, too, is to not reinforce that potentially inaccurate and hurtful to the right. cat description. And if somebody says to me, my cat is attacking me, my cat is aggressive, I'll use neutral language back, such as, well, can you tell me what the cat is actually doing right. when you observe this? So it's mm-hmm. really important not to repeat those words back. But, yes, people, they're upset They've probably forgotten what it was that they loved about their cat in the first place. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> you know, and and so it, it is important to um, not use that negative language. Don't reinforce it. Use neutral language, and 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 this is helpful too because it gets the person to talk um, in a, in also a more neutral and and way that's giving you the information that's helpful. You know, when people say, my cat's a brat, my cat's aggressive, my cat's spiteful, I really don't know what's going on. So not only does neutral language work to, you know, not reinforce those stereotypes and and the anger the person is feeling, but I'm getting a better picture of what's happening in the household. All I can say is I think what you're doing with all cats all the time is – a great service. The fact that you've you've helped 1,000 people and their cats in just one year is an, a remarkable achievement. And I feel mildly, mildly, only mildly guilty, but I am going to send to you people who have problems they don't understand, and they are going to need your ongoing compassion and input. I can give them you know, a cursory, fast something in an email, but that's not really, they really need a shoulder to cry on. They really need Rachel Geller. They need someone who says, I get it. I feel for you and I feel for your cat and let's fix this together. So yes. anybody who has guilty, a friend right? with, yeah, with a cat <laughs> problem, send them to all cats all the time, knowing that yes. that Rachel really is doing this as a 100% philanthropic out, outpost for people everyone who gets helped, I'm sure, makes some donation to the nonprofit. And if anyone listening says, you know, I had a cat and I had problems and there was no one to help me. And right now I'm not having, I don't have a cat, but I'm going to make a donation to all cats all the time just because it will help somebody else who was once in my shoes. So thank well, you, that would be That would be lovely. And I just want to point out to you don't feel guilty. It takes a village, and I know you certainly do your part. Well, and thank you for that. It, it's it's a it's definitely a village, and we all are little squares in the quilt. Thank you, Rachel, and thanks for all the great work you've done for years, and particularly now in in your sweet spot. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. 
Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human-edible, ethically-sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They've founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat. <laughs> 